Thank you so much for joining us at Remnant Church Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more or support this ministry, please go to remnantchurch.church. And now, the message from Pastor I might as well go in and get my crying over with. I'm a cry baby, I'll tell you that already. But uh, that was moving right there. 21 years ago, I was his pastor and that little boy right there. Josh, you come in a minute, buddy. I want to hug his neck. Oh, praise God. You knew I needed it. <laughs> Caleb and Josh. Hey, if any Brunel Street Church of God people here that I used to pastor 21 years ago, look back there. <laughs> We're getting old, aren't we? Now, if you don't act dead out there, okay? I, I forewarn you, I work at a funeral home in Valdosta. And if you're not moving, I'll check your pulse. And I'll have, make a removal and I'll get a little extra money. I'm a little bit on the tired side. We had three funerals yesterday, so I'm kind of wore out. But um, Brenda, my wife, just wave at him, Brenda. We pastored for 41 years. Retired in 2015 from pastoring, still preaching, preaching roundabout places, preaching funerals. People don't have a minister. They'll call me. I'll preach a funeral. I send out about 84, 86 messages every Sunday morning, a little thought. Houston, Texas, Tennessee, Virginia, North Carolina, all over. Family and friends. As a way to minister, isn't it? Some way you can be a minister. Praise God. Let's pray and ask God to touch us today. Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful, privileged, honored to be right here today in this great church of what you're doing and continuing to use Caleb and Josh and the staff and the wonderful people of God that's here today. Lord, may your blessings be upon us, an anointing. Lord, if we are not anointing, it's not going to be any good. Father, anoint us to preach so it will be effective in touching people's lives that when they leave this house, they will say, I'm so glad I went to church today because I felt the presence of God in this house. And Lord, what's done and accomplished, all praise and glory goes to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. First thing I did this morning when I walked in and I saw Mary Lancaster, I had to cry. I thought about Bobby. What a man of God. 
and Sister Mary, those wonderful people that I pastored, Billy Lovett. I don't know if I'm going to get through this or not. Praise God. If you have your Bible, I want to turn your attention to Isaiah chapter 64. Isaiah 64. I want to read those first three verses of Scripture. Isaiah 64, verse 1 says, Oh, that you would rend the heavens, that you would tear open the heavens. What a prayer. That you would come down, that the mountains might shake at your presence. As fire burns brushwood, as fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, that the nations may tremble at your presence when you did awesome things for which we did not look, you came down. The mountains shook at your presence. Can you say amen? Amen. I don't like to do this, but I got to. So I'm going to be struggling all the way through. Praise God. Lord, rend the heavens. <clears throat> when Isaiah the prophet prayed these words, God's people were in bad shape. In chapter 63 and verse 16, or verse 15 rather, <clears throat> they asked the Lord to look down from heaven. But now their cry is, come down. It's gotten worse. We need more than you just looking down. We need you to come down. They had reached the point of desperation. You know, we're never going to get anything from God until we reach the point of desperation. We're not desperate enough, people of God. We kind of take it or leave it in this day. If we read the signs of the times, we also, in our nation and in the world, we are in a mess. Amen? Dr. Carl Henry wonders if God will bring judgment upon America in this decade. He writes, and I quote, our massacre of a million babies a year, our normalizing of fornication and other sexual perversions, our programming of self-indulgence, all represents a leap in moral deterioration. We are in a mess today. Now, I didn't come to bring a, a fancy, flattery message to make you run, jump, and shout, and hoop and holler. I've come to bring a word 
that I believe that God wanted us to hear in this day and in this hour in which we live. Three things we need. One is this. We need a divine intervention. We need a divine intervention. You know, the enemy always fights, don't he? Always. And I believe that we're going to experience that. Now, just pray I don't kick it over. Intervention to come in between. To help. Oh, that God would rend or tear the heavens apart and come down. This intervention is described as fire melting the mountains. It's described as boiling the water. It's described as burning the brushwood. In the book of Micah chapter 1, it says, Behold, the Lord is coming out of His place. He's moving off of His throne. And He's coming down. Mountains will melt under Him. And valleys will split. In other words, it is a extraordinary display of divine power. It is a supernatural Mount St. Helens explosion. Not some dilly-dally move. It is an explosive power of God. When that Mount St. Helens volcano erupted, the world took notice. Amen? 57 deaths, $1.1 billion of damage. Ash covered 11 states. And for the world to take notice, we must have a volcanic spiritual happening, a spiritual eruption in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ if the world is to take notice. Now, since I've retired, I've pastored around a few churches, some not Church of God, some other denominations, and I've seen it as though it was dead as 4 o'clock in the morning. I've even asked some, is this a Church of God? I've even asked them from the pulpit, are we still Pentecostal? Are you ashamed to say amen? Are you ashamed to clap your hands? We need a divine intervention. Isaiah entreats the Lord to intervene in the affairs of the world, to defeat his enemies, to save all those who call upon him. You know, I believe the church needs to step up and call on God to come down and intervene in America. (laughs) Amen? Now, if I was preaching a funeral, I wouldn't have to do all this. 
Because it's not affecting the dead, but the devil knows this affects the living. And he doesn't want me to just, you know, I normally don't have to worry about all this uh, getting choked up in the throat for some apparent reason. But I'm going to preach it if I have to drink my way through it. Amen. Praise God. You see, as believers, we should pray daily. If God doesn't come down and help us, people, we are in dear, dire trouble. As we look around and see what's happening in America, it's not the same America any longer. We need a divine intervention for God, not just look down, and I believe He is looking down. But we need Him to get up off of His throne and come down literally and take care of the mess while God's people are praying to Him to do something. Praise God. <coughs> people, I'm sorry. Just pray for me. Oh, Lord Jesus, we praise God. Just give the Lord a hand clap of praise, will you? <laughs> praise God. Give him a hand clap of praise. Thank you, sir. See, I told you I was old. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. Praise God. You see, God promises to act on behalf of those who wait for him. And verse 4 says, What he hath prepared for him, for those that wait for him, that trust him. Are you trusting him for these critical times we're living in? We can't trust government, that's for sure. We can't trust politicians, that's for sure. They've gone beyond. I, I don't know where they're coming from, but I'm standing my ground. My Savior, my President is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That's who I'm leaning on. That's who I'm dependent upon. We need an intervention and a divine revelation, secondly. A revealing. We need God to reveal Himself again to us. You know, you can get so accustomed to worship that we don't really know God. We just come here and go through it and go on our merry way. Never think about the presence of God. If you didn't feel and sense the presence of God in this worship hour, I want to pray for you before you leave. You need to know our God. He's a mighty God. He's an awesome God. Oh, that you would come down and make your name known. Listen, you better be careful how you use His name. Isn't that right? You can't just use it haphazardly. It's a holy name. It's a divine name. You can't use His name in vain and get away with it. You'll be held accountable for it. You know, I was playing golf with a friend uh, back last year sometimes, and he'd already used GD three or four times. And I told my nephew, I said, now, Ray, they, they were good friends, more friends than him than I, than I am and was. 
And I'm still a friend to him, but I said, now, Ray, when we get up here on the Nath Green, I'm going to confront him about using my God's name in vain. And Ray didn't say, a, say anything because he knew I was going to do it. So we walked off the Nath Green, and I put my arms around him. Brother Ben, black guy, black man, I said, Brother Ben, you know, God's been mighty good to you to use his name that way, hasn't he? And he dropped his head, and he said, Yes, sir. I said, You're going to be held accountable for using his name in that way. It's a holy name. When you talk about God, you ought to walk on your tiptoes. Be careful. I mean, you can use it in a slang way that's not a, a GD, but you can use it in such a way that it's even vain. So we need a revelation of His holy name. We've lost the sense of God's presence. The Bible says in Psalm 51, 11, listen, cast me not away from your presence. In Psalm 102, it says, come before His presence with singing. Into His presence with joy. This morning, Brian Batwell was staying at the Hampton Inn, and we, I didn't know he was there, but I, we ran into each other. And we was walking up the hallway. We had a little breakfast this morning, and we was walking back to a room. He was going to the third floor, and I was on the main floor, and we was just laughing and talking and having a good time. And a worker there, one of the workers, said, uh, y'all are just having such a good time. I said, ma'am, it's the joy of the Lord. I said, you can't get this in the world. It's the joy of the Lord. And I said, and the joy of the Lord is your strength. Listen, don't lose your joy. When you watch, we don't, we don't like to watch a whole lot of news anymore. It'll sap your joy. I'll tell Brent, I said, please turn it to somewhere else. Let's get off of that. I want the joy of the Lord to be my strength. Do you need the joy of the Lord in your life? Praise God. If you, you say, well, I'm not emotional. Well, give me a hammer and let me hit you on the, on the head. And let me see how emotional you are. Listen, I raised up in the, in the Southern Baptist Church as a little boy growing up. And I visited. After Brenda and I got married in 1970, we visited the Church of God. And you know what drew me back to that church? Was their joy. Was their worship. Was their praying. I never experienced that kind of praying when everybody prayed at the same time. I never experienced that uh, raising your hands and shouting amen and hallelujah. But you know how they were doing it and why? It was the presence of God in that place. Making his name known in that place. And what they had, I wanted it. And I saw the Holy Ghost and they would say, Hold on and then turn loose and let go. And I did all the above. I wanted what they had. 
The joy of the Lord is our strength. His presence is our strength. We need to know the God in a personal way, not just reading about him and singing about him, but knowing him in a personal way to know the Lord. Oh, God, reveal yourself in Waycross, Georgia, and let them know that in the remnant church of God, they can find the presence of God. God. Praise God. Oh, God is good to us. We have lost the sign of God's power these days. We need a divine revelation as the Holy Spirit makes His book, the Bible, come alive with Pentecostal authority. You may have never been in a Pentecostal church. Like, I, I had never been in more. I went to one when I was a kid, and I went home. I said, Mom, I'll never go back to that place again. They scared the living daylights out of me. And I didn't go back to a Pentecostal church. Brenda was raised in the church of God. And I guess it was her part getting me back over to the church of God. My aunt was over there, and uh, friends, and, and they was inviting me. And when we went, I, I mean... It was just, but I had gotten saved. It was different. See, there's nothing to it if you ain't saved. But when you get saved, you can't help but say hallelujah. And I finally worked up enough nerve in that home church of mine to say hallelujah out loud. Then I turned around to see if anybody was looking at me. And they won't. They weren't watching me. They were praising God. Praising God. I remember one time in that church, it was a Sunday morning service. There's 200 plus people sitting in there. And I've just been saved a couple of weeks. And I'm sitting in the middle. And the Lord was speaking to me. And I told her, and I said, the Lord's telling me to do something, but I'm scared. She said, do it. I said, I can't. And I held on to that pew in front of me. And a few minutes later, a man all the way in the back of that church got up and walked around in the center three times. And when he walked around the third time, that place went up in glory. You know what happened after that? I found myself on my hands and knees, and I crawled around three times. And the third time I hit the altar, and here's what he spoke to my heart. If you had obeyed me, you could have walked. Oh, it's better to obey than sacrifice. Amen. If you ever feel like you're saying hallelujah, say it in the hell. You're not going to scare me when you don't say hallelujah and praise God. That's what scares me in the church of God. Amen. His name. Well, what is his name? His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Honor that name. We need a revelation of that name. So we honor it again, respect it again. I work with people that don't know how to use his name, but all in the wrong ways. And I cringe at it. And I, I'll speak up. I, I'll tell, I'll, I'll speak to them. It cringes me. I, I mean, it's such a holy name. God, reveal the wonderful name that you have so we can reverence it again. If it doesn't bother you, something's wrong with us today. 
If it doesn't disturb us, I mean, we need to know that that name is, is a mighty name. It was that name that saved me. I got saved on a Wednesday night at visiting the church of God. In my hometown, Brenda and I were visiting on a Wednesday night. I don't know what the preacher preached. He was a guest speaker. But when he gave the altar call, Brenda and I went to the altars and cried and wept at that altar. God was revealing himself to me, showing me his name and his glory. When I got up from prayer, I was walking back to my seat, and here's how I felt. I felt like I had never, ever sinned in my life. You know why? The blood of Jesus washed it all clean. Praise God. And I sat down and the pastor got up and he said, Did the, has the Lord done something for you? Stand up and testify. And I never stood up and testified in my life. And I was 19 years old, 20 years old. And my Aunt Margaret elbowed me in the side. And she said, stand up and tell them that you got saved. And I stood up and I said, I'm so glad the Lord saved me. <laughs> they thought I was speaking in tongues. I said it so fast. But that was the beginning. That was the beginning, and I went to work the next day at the print shop, and, and I was loading up the vehicle to deliver some packages, and I heard, and this, and this is like yesterday, but this is 1970. I heard a voice. I literally thought I heard a voice said, you didn't get saved. I turned around to see who said it. I had enough sense to know that was the devil. And I spoke back out loud. I said, I did so. God revealed himself to me last night. I know that I got saved. Then my boss man, Mr. Short, I love him. He's on, going to glory. He said, Frank, can you go up to the store and get me a pack of cigarettes for me? I said, yeah, I can go up there. You know, Church of God, you know how they are smoking. I went up there and I bought a, a, three or four men was in the store. And I said, these are not for me. This is Mr. Short down here. I, I'm not smoking. The Lord had delivered me. And I went back in. I said, Mr. Short, I can't go to get you any more cigarettes. He said, why? I said, because some people's up there in the church and they'll think I'm smoking. He said, okay. Well, the next day he said, Frank, can you do this? Can you go out there and look in my glove compartment and get me a pack of cigarettes? I said, well, I guess I can. So as I went out I, in the trash can, I picked up a piece of paper, and I cut those cigarettes in that paper. And I walked back in, and, and I handed it to him. He said, what, what is that for? What is this? I said, the Bible says, touch not the unclean thing. He never did ask me to do that again. Listen, when God... Uh, reveals himself, it will make a difference. Hey, I'm not perfect. Just ask my wife, because she says, you think you're perfect, don't you? Driving, driving, I'm a perfect driver and all that. I said, no, I'm not perfect. I am no ways for being perfect. But God will help us into perfection. In one of these days, I'm going to be perfected. It is not, I, listen, I, I can't see the starting line. It's two way back there. But I can now see the finish line. I'm closer to glory than I've ever been. I can see the finish line already. Listen, number three, we need a divine visitation. We need a divine visitation. 
Oh, that God would come down, that the nations would tremble at your presence. Oh, America, come back to God. Come back to God. Wave that old flag of glory proudly. God, intervene for America. I say, Lord, this is the only nation that I can recall that supports Israel. Don't abandon America, God. Don't leave us out here by ourselves. We'll never survive. Come down. We need you to visit us in a mighty way, God. We love America. God, America is a nation that sends missionaries all over the world. Oh, Father, visit America again. And when God visited His people in Egypt, Pharaoh had to acknowledge the divine presence. When God visited on the day of Pentecost, unbelievers cried out, What must I do to be saved? Oh, when God visits us, something is going to happen. What would be our response if God were to visit us in a unique way this morning? Can it be said of us that thy people shall be willing in the day of God's power? Of Psalms 110 and verse 3, when there is a divine visitation, people will come forward to enlist to volunteer their service to the kingdom. It's hard to get people to do anything in the kingdom of God these days. And we need people that when you have a visitation, you'd be willing to step up to the plate and say, what can I do in the house of God for you? What can I do for the kingdom of God? The word willingness, a people of great willingness and devotion, willing to do what? Willing for God to work in them, to do His will, willing to die unto all sin, willing to crucify the old man or self in order that the new man may be formed in us. Willing uh, to step up and say, God, here I am. Use me like the prophet Isaiah. Use me. You know, when I got saved and God changed my life, I wanted to get involved. I I started uh, uh, going to nursing homes. I started going to different places, cottage prayer meetings. I was so nervous preaching. I couldn't look at the congregation. I couldn't look at people. I was so nervous, intimidated by them. If I saw somebody laugh, I thought they was laughing at me. The devil just tormented and tortured me. And I would preach at a cottage prayer meeting, and the room was filled, standing in the doorways. And I took my boss man's son, Wayne uh, Short. I took him with me and uh, to hear me preach. And, and I, couldn't look, I, could, I looked at over top of the doorway. I couldn't look at the crowd. I looked one time and I went right back up there. I was so nervous. But when I gave the altar call, I finally looked around and there's Wayne down on his knees. God was touching his life. Listen, you don't have to be perfect to do something. I, I'm not a T.L. Lowry, if you didn't notice. I'm not a Ray H. Hughes. You might have thought I was. No, I can't preach like those guys. I'm not a Caleb Lang. I can't. Listen, this is a hard act to follow, Caleb Lancaster. That man's a preaching machine, I'm telling you. 
But God will take whatever. When he visits you, he'll take and use you. You know what that church of God did to me? Just weeks after I got saved, I couldn't even hardly read the Bible, and I still can't read and pronounce names. I skip them. But they put me in teaching class, teaching the junior boys. And they knew more about the Bible than I did. My pastor let me preach on a Wednesday night, and I had them to stand as I read the Bible, and I went right on into preaching. I finally had enough nerve to look up, and they were still standing. And Pastor Dawson said, his wife asked, when are we going to sit down? He said, when he tells us to. But you know, when God uses you and you are available and He visits you, you can look them straight in the eye because you know God is doing something. Praise God. Be ready instant and in season and out of season. Back last year or so, funeral director come to me out in the parking lot for a 2 o'clock service, 10 minutes to 2. He said, Frank, we've got a dilemma. I said, what is it? He said, the preacher forgot he was preaching this funeral. I said, he said, do you have a message? I said, not with me. He said, can you preach one? Can you get one? I said, I'll try. I got my little New Testament Bible out of my car, went into the funeral home, sat in a little room for 10 minutes. I said, oh, God, what am I going to do? Well, he visited me in that little room and gave me a scripture to read out of Revelation. And for 15 minutes, I preached the funeral. I never looked at the person. I preached that funeral, and after that service, the husband come and said, that's exactly what we needed to hear. Are you willing to be used by God today? Do you have family and friends? You know, our daughters got saved at the age of five and six. You know how they got saved? Because mom and daddy asked them to repeat this prayer. Jesus, come into my life. Today, my oldest is 50. My baby just turned 44. They had a divine visitation. We can't reach the world, but we can reach our loved ones. Time is drawing near. Oh, God, don't just look down on us down. Come down. Come down. I'm going to tell you this last little story. My nephew, Larry, lives in uh, South Carolina. I was coming over here from Savannah to meet Jerry J. I mean, I know Jerry J. Restaurant. That's my buddy. Going to play with him some golf over here at the park. My niece, Larry's sister, my niece, called Uncle Frank, called Larry. He thinks he's dying. I said, okay. I call him. He's intoxicated. He's drunk. I said, Larry, what's going on, buddy? He said, Frank, I'm so sick. He said, my stomach is killing me. And he's getting the slurred speech. And I talked to him, and I said, Larry, I want you to say this prayer. I said, say, dear Lord Jesus. He said, dear Lord Jesus. Drunk. And I said that prayer. I said, Larry, I, I, I'm going to hang up now, and I'm going to check on you later. He said, okay. Two days later, I called him. He answers the phone. I said, Larry, how are you doing? Great. I said, have you drank anything? Not a drop. He said, Frank, something happened when we prayed on that phone. 
He had a divine visitation while he was drunk. And it's been over 10 years and he's still sober. And I took a Sunday morning off of my church, drove to Charleston, South Carolina, and stood up there beside him and his wife Gail with a bunch of other people, and he joined the church of God. When you have a divine visitation, God does something. I want him to do something in this building, and if you do, stand to your feet right now. We need a divine visitation, don't we? Oh, listen. If this message has touched you in any way, would you join me right up here on the front? Come on. If, you, uh, if you're serious about God revealing himself, intervening, visiting you, come right on up. Everybody in this building ought to show up. Everybody in this room ought to make a way. People, listen. I don't preach to get any praise. I, I, I learned that a long time ago. If God don't get the glory, it's all in vain. It's all in vain. I didn't come for a show. I didn't come to put on act. I didn't come to show out. I didn't go back and get the best fiery sermon. I looked at several of them. The best fiery sermon that I could preach. I just, Lord, I, I think this is, I believe this is it. I believe this is the one. I'm going to trust you with it, Lord. Please anoint me. Please help me this morning. Please help me this morning. Now, the Holy Spirit has to do the work. He has to do the work. Just play something softly. Oh. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, just help us right here. Lord, if you'll just intervene. There may be someone standing here. God, if you don't intervene in this situation, I don't know what I'm going to do. Our first church was in Murphy, North Carolina. Paid me $20 tithes, $120 month tithes, a little bit old church. Didn't have a job. I lost my job at a print shop. I lost my job. Got another job at a print shop. Didn't like the environment. I quit. I told Brendan, I said, I'm going back in this back room. And I'm going to pray. And I'm not coming out until I hear God. Have you ever tried to pray and you got sleepy? Well, I said, the devil ain't going to slip me no sleeping pill. I got me a washcloth, and I wet it down, and I went on back there, and I nod, I prayed, got down on my knees, had a little lamp up there, and I nod off, and I reached over and grabbed that washcloth, and I washed my face so I could stay awake, and I kept praying. And when I just about through praying or thought I was through praying, I opened my Bible, and, it, my, and I opened when I lifted my lamp back up so I could see where my hand was on the scripture, it was on Philippians 4:19. But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. 
I come out of that prayer room. It was about 10 o'clock, and I'd been in there a couple of hours or so. And I told Brenda, I said, don't worry about one thing. God's going to take care of us. Friday, on a Friday, Brenda said, Frank, you know in the morning we don't have any food or breakfast for Melanie. We don't have any breakfast. I said, okay. Well, about 8 o'clock, a pastor on the district called, Brenda answered the phone. I think Brenda answered one of us. He said, what y'all doing? Brenda said, nothing. He said, listen, we are cooking a big old breakfast over here. Why don't y'all come over and eat with us? Listen, I, before he hung up his phone, I was knocking on the door. And we got over there, big old breakfast, and we're sitting around talking, and Brenda said, what you doing with that piece of money up there in your pocket? He said, oh, uh, the Lord told me y'all needed something, and he gave us $20. That was in 74. That was, you know, that was, that's a lot of money. Then some of you say a lot of money, yeah, right. We literally raced to the mailbox to see what we would get. One day I got $25. One day I got $50. One day I got a letter from my brother-in-law. They had four kids, my sister, and they had four kids. I opened it up as a letter. said, this is not a loan. It's a gift. thought you might could use it. $200. When God visits you, when God reveals, when God intervenes, Something happens. And it's going to happen right here, right now, in this place, up here, and back there. Because God, listen, this, this room can contain our God. The heaven is His throne, and the earth is His footstool. Raise your hands. Father, we've come before you today. Thankful, praising, loving you. God, we love you because you first loved us. Almighty God, these hands raised up to heaven, signifying, oh God, would you come down and would you intervene in my family's behalf? In my financial behalf, in my business behalf, Lord, in our in our life. God, intervene. God, make yourself known to me. God, visit us. Visit me. I need a revelation of you, God. I need help from you, Father. I need your divine help, God. I can't make it in this world by myself. I can't go another day. I can't take another step, God, without your divine help in this world. Oh, God, if you don't help us, we're doomed. God, if you don't come down, we're not going to make it. But if you do come down, it don't matter what happens. Come hell or high waters, we're going to the other side. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Give him a hand clap of praise. Praise God. Lay your hand on the shoulder beside you. Lay your hand over there on somebody and back there. Come on. Come on. Oh, and just say a prayer for that one you know. That one you love right there. Your brother and sister in the Lord. Just say a prayer. 
Just say a prayer. They may not hear you, but they feel that touch of hand on their shoulder. They know you're praying for them. They know, they know, they know. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. We hope that you were encouraged by today's message. If you were, please feel free to share on social media, subscribe, or leave us a review. We can't wait for you to join us here again.